Hello and welcome to another self-isolation special episode of Retrospection. In this one, we're not just passively perusing programs, we're actively agitating arcades. But we're not just throwing those 10p's or quarters in, we're also looking at some console and computer games. My name's Colin, and another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> <Her> faces. <laughs> and my name's Paul, and... <laughs> what, what was that? Are you having a stroke? What's up? No, you're my- It'll make sense. It's from one of my choices later. Okay. And we have a special guest on our episode today, and it's Dave. Hello. And I would have tried to come up with a line, but you've just done the one that I came up with, so I'm buggered. (laughs) It's it's the obvious one. It is. Right, right. He's off then. He's off. (laughs) (laughs) In this episode, we're going to choose five of our favorite retro games in no particular order, but... Before we do that, we need to prove our gaming credentials. So what machines have we dabbled with? And we can go up to present day with this. So Dave, do you want to go first? Um, I can do, yeah. Um, I started my gaming career um, at about the age of eight when I got my first computer, which was an Acorn Electron. Do If you remember the Acorn Electron. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. I adored yeah. it. It was, it was great. Um, from there, I progressed on to Commodore 64. I've, I've had I've had quite a few machines actually. Thinking about, I was thinking about this earlier on, and I've gone through loads. Um, so yeah, Commodore 64. Then I got a Master System. So I started going all console based at this point. Uh, it is right, quite early. early. I got a Master System, and then realised the Master System I didn't like it as much as the Commodore 64. So I went back to the Commodore for a bit. And then I went to a Mega Drive, then a Mega CD. Mega CD, do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I tell you, but was it two hundred? It was about two hundred and seventy quid back in. Well, what what year was it? About nineteen nineteen ninety three or something like that, wasn't it? Mega CD around about that time. Two hundred seventy mm. quid. I have no idea how my mum and dad afforded it, but it was ridiculous. Um, and yeah, from there I went PlayStation, then PS two. Had an N64 for a bit, and then uh, PS3, PS4, got a Vita, and we've had various Nintendo handhelds as well along the way. Um, so yeah, uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced, um, DS, yeah, 3DS. So yeah, had quite a few things over over the years. Little rich boy over here, then, eh? Yeah, an expert. <laughs> no idea you're so well. Off. Well, you know, life treated me well. I don't like to brag. <laughs> <laughs> Paul? Uh, well, I started with Pong. So <laughs> that's when I started off. Pong. Brilliant. <laughs> well, we, we don't want to know about your personal smells. Oh, no, I've still got Pong. Um, and then from Pong, okay. I moved on to... Um, uh, well, various little handheld things. You remember um, uh, um, Astro Wars? Do you remember Astro Wars? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like a tabletop a little tabletop thing. I had loads of tabletop okay. things. I can't remember what a lot of them were called now. And then my first proper computer was a, um, <laughs> and I'm going to get some stick for this, Amstrad 464. 
<laughs> so you were the one. I was the one, yes. Green screen monitor. Didn't <laughs> make any difference to me. I was colorblind, you see, so. Yeah, okay. No, fair enough. Makes sense. But yeah. this is the thing, and I know this always makes Colin laugh, because from an Amstrad 464, then I got a, and, this, and it was a second-hand one as well, and that's the reason why I went back to the Amstrad. But I, I got a, I had a Commodore 64 for a hot minute, and then that broke, and then I went back to the Amstrad 464. How how could you do that? <laughs> I mean that 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 is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a man discovering fire, <laughs> and then living in the cold for the rest of his life. <laughs> I had no choice in the matter. It was, it was my it wasn't my decision, unfortunately. And then from there, I, I, I kind of fell out with games for a while. I stopped playing. I never got into Sega or anything like that. So then from there, my first exposure back into games was, um, and I'm, I, you're probably going to mention this yourself in a second, Colin, but was playing on your uh, Amiga CD32. Yes. Yeah. And I, play, I, was, I was literally around yours every weekend playing that. Yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> and then from then on, I was uh, PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4. I'm a Sony person. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so I started... Yeah, and that's, that's it, basically. And, 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 you know, little things, you know, add-ons, you know. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm. So I started with the Binatone or the Binatone. Not sure how you pronounced it which was similar to your Pong, where you had squash, football, tennis, but they all looked identical. Yeah, Pong was like that. A rectangle and a square ball. Had a light gun, though, which was kind of nice. It was ahead of its time. That was, that, that was, yeah. that was the machine that had the, um, the, the controller with the, 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 the sort of knob that you twist, isn't it? Yeah, paddle. Yeah, the yeah. paddle, yeah. 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 And then I went to the Commodore 64, then the Amiga, then the Amiga CD32. And then I think there was a gap. And then I went to the PlayStation, then PC. Then for about 10 seconds, I had a PS2. <laughs> and then got rid of it for an Xbox. Uh, okay. Yeah. Then Xbox 360. The Wii U, which is the only Nintendo I ever owned. Oh, except for the DS and the 3DS. I had those. Yeah. Uh, Xbox One. And now I'm going back to the PC. Uh, okay. Actually, you mentioned in the 360. For some reason, in that list that I gave off, I totally forgot I had a 360, and I had it for quite a while, so there was no excuse. Oh, what what a shocker! You missed one off. <laughs> yeah, you, you just didn't you didn't like it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. I don't know why I, I don't know oh. why I forgot about it. It wasn't it wasn't a bit part in my gaming career. It was uh, it was quite a big part for a few years. Weird. Oh well, just just don't like Microsoft. That's it, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> so so we can say safely between us we've pretty much owned most of the units although mm. we're not very nintendo based mm. which is unusual well I think. uk though it, it's i think um i think nintendo was much more of a, a u.s based thing i mean i think uh the nes and you know i think the nes was in one in every three households wasn't it it was ridiculously big in in america but but not so much over in actual fact. I think I'm, I think the Master System did better than the NES over in the UK. Okay. I think. I'm sure. I'm sure that's somebody will say we're totally wrong about that. But that's that's <laughs> standard. I I will ne I will never know. 
It's a monotonous, yeah. Uh, yeah, same with me, really. I mean, I was never, I've never for one second been interested in playing Sonic the Hedgehog or um, Super Mario Brothers or anything like that. Just mm. doesn't appeal to me at all. No, Mario's a weird one as well. That was that's one of those things that I've tried so many times to to get into Mario games, and I don't know what it is. I know it must be me. Everybody says it's amazing, but I just don't see what everybody's seeing. I never have. I never have done, and I've I've gone back and played all the classic Mario games, all the two D ones. I I just don't get what people love about it. It's never worked for me. Yeah, yeah it's it's no great Gianna system. That's exactly. <laughs> 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 that, that's that's a very niche <laughs> that is a really niche comedy isn't it <laughs> i'm laughing but i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> uh it, it was a, a ripoff of mario that i think he actually got in legal trouble it at did some point. it did yeah, yeah yeah it was a, it was a commodore 60 it's kind of a commodore 64 cult classic but it is a total ripoff it's ridiculous oh yeah <laughs> yeah well, on that note, so uh, maybe we should just move into uh, five favorite games. And these are not in order. They're not, you know, a top or whatever. There are just five retro games that we enjoy or go back to. Um, and then, Dave, do you want to kick it off? I can do, yeah. Um, I'm going to start off back in the year 1985, I think. Um, That's early. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, back in the days when I used to get used to get my pocket money and i'd go along to the uh the local game shop and uh with my two pounds and <gasps> mastertronic how did you know <laughs> <laughs> it was mastertronic firebird you could you could get it? a bit of code masters for 199 as code well masters. Yeah. yes yeah. yes exactly and um i absolutely love this game it's for, for some reason though i i can't find any information about who programmed it i could find out that the music was done by rob hubbard but i mm. don't know who programmed it but that game is action biker do you know action biker i don't I, know it no i i know action biker and i have an issue with action and biker. i bet you your issue with action biker is the character on action biker <laughs> yes, isn't it, it? <laughs> Yes, it is because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leia, it's, yeah. Yeah. Let's. Well, go ahead, Dave. I think I know, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> the, the thing is, Action Biker was probably the first game I'd ever seen that had um, some outside sponsoring. Okay, mm, and it yeah. was by KP Skips, who had an advertising campaign with a cartoon character called Clubsy Colin. <laughs> 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 yep that does ring a bell actually yeah, yeah. i think i remember and, and i think did, didn't the advert go like clumsy clumsy carlin something like something that? like that i think but, uh, oh, because i think that was yelled at me occasionally was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um by family or just in the street oh yeah personal friends family <laughs> no yeah just in the street <laughs> um but yeah, I absolutely adored this game and I played it for hours. I think it's one of the best Mastertronic games and I still go back to it now. Um, but if anybody doesn't know what it is, it's um, you play the part of Clumsy Colin on a motorbike. The uh, the, the view is sort of an isometric view um, and yeah. the, the environment, you, you ride around the environment basically and the environment has... Um, lots of different areas like there'll be a building site and then there's an area with a lake uh there's a petrol station and all, all this sort of stuff but 
even though it's an isometric view, as you're riding along, the screen kind of wraps around. So, you know, all the environments keep repeating themselves as you're riding along. But the idea is you navigate all these obstacles to pick up um, these little icons that, that appear randomly dotted around the screen. You have to find it, ride over it, and you pick it up, and it's all parts of your motorbike. And obviously, as you get on, it, it becomes, you know, they, they, they put these little icons in harder and harder places. You know, you'll have to ride up a scaffold or, or you, you have to jump, have to go over a ramp to jump this fence to get into this little kind of compound. You know, absolutely brilliant. Spent hours and hours on it, um, you know, and it's, yeah, it's fantastic. One ninety nine absolutely brilliant. But weirdly, they, they had another version that was on the on the spectrum. And it was still called Action Biker, but it was it was a totally different game. I couldn't believe that's right. Yeah, it it was yeah. completely different. I mean, that one was that one was batshit crazy. They you, you know apparently you were you were asleep, and you had to find your mate and take him to a spaceport. And it and what? if you crashed into things, you, there, there was a little meter for how close you were to waking up. And if you woke up. It's the end of the game. It was really weird. <laughs> totally different. Totally different game. Did you choose the title then? It's yeah, yeah. Completely different game. Completely different game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but I think the version I played on the Commodore, it was it was it, that isometric view. I think it was for the Atari 8-bit and the Commodore 64. They were the same. It was just the Spectrum that was completely different. But yeah, honestly, absolutely adore that game. And I played it again the other day just to see if it stood the test of time. It really does, yeah. Still really enjoy it, and my daughter played, and my nice. daughter played it as well, and she she really enjoyed it. So that's cool. so yeah, yeah. Difficult. They were all back then, weren't they? All, ga- Sorry, all games were difficult back then. Yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know how I ever got as far as I did back then in games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're going to hear me say that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> But that action biker, it's almost like that was one of the early free roaming yeah. adventure games because you could actually just drive around. You could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it had things like um, you, you had a fuel gauge and, uh, yeah, you'd have to go into the petrol station and stop to refill and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, it's one ninety nine. What an absolute yeah. bargain. Brilliant. Love it. Absolutely yeah. adore that game. Good choice. Mm. Paul? Uh, well, I've gone from something from 1983, actually. Wow, even earlier. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've gone from for uh, Beachhead. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Classic. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I played it. I, I played it. I, I did play it on the Commodore 64 briefly, but I mainly played it on the Amstrad. Oh. <laughs> I don't recall there being a fantastic difference between the two. I'm sure that you'll point it out to me if there was, but... I, I, I've never played it on the Amstrad. I assume it, the colours were better on the Amstrad. Well, no, I had a green screen and I was colourblind. So oh, yeah. Have... Sorry. I <laughs> forget that. <laughs> just cut just, that just out. Just rubbing salt in the wounds. I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah. just brilliant. <laughs> um, Beachhead was a game that was developed and published in 1983 by Access Software. It was for the Atari and the Commodore 64 home computers. Then in 1984, it was also published on... uh, I didn't know this, actually. It was published on the Commodore 16. Oh, Oh, the old Commodore 16 plus 4. What was that? I don't even remember that. It it came after the Commodore 64, but nobody really knows why. (laughs) Oh, it's one of those, is it? 
Yeah, it's a weird computer. We'll try something and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, it was also on the ZX Spectrum, the BBC Micro and the Acorn Electron. It was. I had it on the Acorn Electron. Drastically different than... I must admit, actually, because I have seen videos of it since then, and I do remember the Electron version looking a lot better than it really did. Um, I tell you, the, 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 there's a bit at the start of the game where you've got to navigate your boat through um, a, a kind of cave that's got missiles flying through the, you know, fr- from holes in, in the walls, and the, the ship on the Electron version went at about a thousand miles an hour, and I have no idea why. <laughs> it's very strange, but yeah, I seem wow. to remember it being a fairly solid version. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the version that I remember on the Amstrad was pretty good. Mm. <laughs> I've never played it, so I can't say. You've never played it? Uh, I mean, I've played it on the 64, but not uh, on the okay. Amstrad. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- those previous computers that I just mentioned, I should say that, that it was released by US Gold. Um, yes. On those ones. And then on the Amstrad, on, it didn't come out on the Amstrad until 1985. Two years after? Really? really? Yeah. yeah. It take, oh. takes a long time to program Genius. <laughs> Do you know what? I get this all the time. And I remember you actually admitting to me back in the day that the Amstrad uh, graphics were better than the Commodore 64. No, we've had this cut. The color's better on the Amstrad. Right, okay. All right. Okay. And it's like the Spectrum has rubbish colors because it has color clash, but it has more detailed graphics. It does. It'd be interesting to know if any any of us have picked any Spectrum games specifically. Uh, yeah. It's... I bet it's not that interesting. It's. I bet that's a no. I'll tell you what, actually, it's going to be interesting to see if any of us double up. That'll be. Yeah, yeah I have a suspicion mm. we might, but I don't know. Mm. So be- I think I think we're going to double up on genre, but maybe not game. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So so Beachhead was set in the Pacific during World War Two, and it involved uh, various stages where you control vehicles such as warships and tanks in order to and boats in order to defeat um, an enemy fleet. What you had to do is you had to break through um, the enemy beach defences and destroy these enormous gun emplacements to win the game, didn't you? Mm. Yeah. And I'm not being funny. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And I've played recently. <laughs> um, I've, got a, I've got a version of it, let's say, quote, unquote. And um, it's, I can't do it anymore. I cannot do it anymore. It's so hard. It's unbelievable. Um, I think the game's stayed the same, though. I think it's probably you that's changed. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. My times are a lot worse. Um, it, it was actually the best-selling Commodore 64 game of 1987, believe it or not. 87? Seven, yeah, for some bizarre reason. Oh, okay. Or maybe it came out as a budget title in 87? Probably a re-release, wasn't it? Mm, they did that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I just remember it was it got glowing reviews by everybody at the time, didn't it? It was one of the best games you could get for Commodore. Oh, Commodore. Yeah, it's, it's oh it was brilliant. Oh, the sound on it was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I, I played it every day for about a year when I got mm. it. Literally didn't stop playing it. Never got any further in it, but I kept I kept trying. It it, it does still hold up as well. As a, as, a, as a good game, it really does. The one that always sticks in my mind is the level where you had to destroy the gun emplacement. Mm, yeah. I always found that the gun moved faster than you could actually keep up with. Yes. So you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't 
take it out with one. No, with one. you're right. You had to you had to use multiple light to 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 take it down. Yeah, but I mean, it's a game that I'll happily you know pick. I mean, I say I'm rubbish at it, but I'll happily pick it up today and play it for thirty minutes and put it down. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't. It looks good. It doesn't look like much, but it looks good. Yeah, I think it's quite a, quite a nice looking game, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I like it. So, what's yours, Colin? Uh, well, I'm not going in year order, so I'm jumping to 1995, mm. and I'm going to ATR, which is All Terrain Racing on the Amiga. ATR. Now, I'm a big fan of top-down or isometric racing games. Uh, this one is by Team Seventeen. And you have a number of tracks with different terrains and three varieties of vehicles. And it's really colorful, especially the AGA version on the Amiga. Uh, the CD32 version is just a lazy part with nothing extra. But it's made by the people who created Nitro on the Amiga. Okay. So this one is really nice and there's a satisfaction about pulling a corner. And it's still a game that I play today. And Paul and I used to play it a lot. Yes, I remember it. Yeah, now as you're talking about it, it's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, you had like a Formula One car, a buggy, and a four by four, depending on the uh, terrain. Now, most magazines gave the game high scores, except Amiga Power, it gave it thirty-eight <laughs> percent. And it turns out they were having a dispute with Team Seventeen at the time, so Team Seventeen then sued the magazine for defamation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I like. I think this is something we don't get anymore. Is top-down races? No, that's long gone, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like Nitro, Supercars Two, Supercars. In yeah, terms yeah. of top-down races, the one that always sticks in my mind, and I think it was a one ninety-nine, either Mastertronic or Codemasters game, was um, BMX Racer or BMX Simulator. BMX Simulator. BMX Simulator. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you had to go around these different courses and try and, and, and jump over these things and go under things and that. Again, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. I loved it, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> did you have to keep pressing the fire button? I think you did to pedal, pedal? yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. Huh? yeah. Uh, it's just but, yeah. a genre that's disappeared. Mm. I mean, the, the, for, for top-down racers, the ones that spring to mind, there's a couple of them, actually. Uh, Super Sprint. I really liked Super Sprint yes. back in the day. And um, I think it was Ivan Ironman Stewart's Super Off-Road. Yes, with the arcade machine had like faster. He did, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I remember there, there, was, there was quite a good, there was quite a few good home conversions of that one, actually. That was that was a cracking game. Yeah, I think there's a good Amiga mm. version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, Dave. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go slightly more modern than the last one. I am going to go 1989 this time. And mm. now the, the, the reason I've picked this one, right? There's, there are some genres that have got worse with age. And I think um, beat-em-ups is one of them. I think as we've got more modern, I don't think beat-em-ups are as good as they used to be back in the day. And one of the things that falls into that category as well is racing games. Racing games are a lot better now than they used to be. And I used to love racing games back then, but I've tried going back numerous times to old classic games, Super Monaco GP on the Mega Drive, even Pit Stop 2 on the Commodore, all that sort of stuff. Right. Pole position? Pole position, all of that, unplayable as far as I'm concerned. But there is one 
that still stands out and it's genuinely as good today as it was back in the day and that is stunt car racer oh. okay <laughs> <laughs> now i'm i'm actually going for the commodore 64 version here because that's the one i used to own okay right? and little caveat i know the amiga one's better right i i know it is okay it comes swanning around with its you know color graphics <laughs> and smoother frame rate okay but the commodore one actually genuinely plays as well as the amiga one in, in my opinion and um yeah it's uh by jeff crammond from uh you know from uh what was it called it was um microprose grand prix wasn't it i think he's most yes. famous for yeah microprose grand prix uh revs i think he did he, somehow he did that on the bbc micro as well he did he? yeah he used to have that at school how the hell he achieved that i don't know right absolute genius um but yeah adore this game so it's a it's a, a, a racing game it's a one-on-one -on -one racing game um where you're you, there are four divisions basically and you have uh you have to race everybody twice in a division if you come if you come to the top of your division you you progress to the to, to, to the next division up where you where you race on a couple of other tracks now these tracks aren't standard tracks they're on a kind of raised platform they're like roller coaster tracks yeah now i remember okay. this game. you remember it yeah so you know there would be ramps and things you have to jump over and banked corners absolutely brilliant but there was a tactical element to it because if you if you approached a ramp too fast and you overshot the other side of the ramp you'd land you'd land too hard and break your car okay yep. so so you've got to be a little bit tactical about it and the way they would have it you would see um it's, it's almost like a driver's eye view but you would see the, the the frame of the car at the top of the screen and the more brutal you drive the car you see a crack forming across the, the across the the, the the chassis of the car um so if you go too hard the the crack will reach all the way across the chassis and it will be it will be race over so it's a really it, genius way of doing a health bar. It really was. It really was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it it was great. But they would they would also mix it up with if you were if you were too brutal or if you if you came off the track so you sort of fell down to the ground, it would it would also put holes in the in the chassis of the car, which right. which 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 wouldn't reset at the end of the race. They would stay there for the for the rest of the game, and those being there would then shorten the, the the length of your health bar if you like so so then then you're constantly driving with a compromised car it's right. honestly the, but the, the thing i love about it is and i don't know how he did it you know is it's fairly basic vector graphics and the frame rate isn't that great but the, you can you can feel what the car's doing all the time you know how it's going to react or what's about to happen before it's happened because you can just tell through the physics I don't know how we achieved it. It's absolutely genius. I adore the game. I still play it loads now. Brilliant. We we did mention this briefly the other day. We did. So today <laughs> I played the Amiga version. Did you? Yes. <laughs> See, this this was the thing. This is this is one that I wondered if we were going to double up on because you mentioned it the other day, and I was like, oh. I've actually put that on my list. <laughs> I, I've not put it on the list, but right. I, I did. I did play it today. Um, 
It's funny. What makes me laugh is when it drops you. Sometimes when you drop onto the track, you can drop in such a way that you just fall off the track. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are, if, especially if you've, um, yeah, if you've fallen on a, on a banked corner, yeah. uh, it drops you down. You land, you hit the bank, and then you bounce up and then just fly off the side. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks for that. Lovely. <laughs> It reminds me of another game that used to be used to find in arcades a lot. I think it was called Test Drive. Yes. Yeah. Where you sit yes. in an actual car. Well, yeah. it, it was, and you had a gear stick as well, didn't you? You did. And you had to yeah. drive the car on these loops, and 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 it was all on a course. And you could fall off the course. Yeah. That was that was that was a ridiculous game. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that that was a hard game, and I think it's is one. There's never been a decent home version of it, as far as I know. They were all dog shit weren't they yeah i mean the early ones i remember were really slow yeah yeah once you remove that gear stick it's not the same anyway is it because part of the appeal was especially when you're a kid was using that gear stick and changing the gear yeah 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 Yeah. i'm surprised that stunt car racer hasn't come back on the iphone or ipad or something like that because it seems very suited to it yeah i'd agree with that actually but I mean, it was you know, uh, it was fairly bare bones in in presentation. Um, there was no music to speak of. Right. The, en- the engine noise was minimal. It was it was a basic droning sound, you know. Um, but oh man, the gameplay! Oh, I love Did, it. On the sixty uh, four version, do you have the sounds of like the creaking? Yes. You do, although like, it's it's more of a kind of tick 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 sound rather than anything particularly great. Okay, because on the Amiga version, like if you're pushing around a corner too fast, it starts to make this creaking sound. Yes, and you you instantly know that you're going too hard around the mm. corner, which I I think is, is a great idea. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's audio rather than visual telling you what you're doing wrong. Yeah, it is absolute genius. Yeah, mm. Lo- love it, love it. Nice. Just stir at me, pal. <laughs> I thought you were going to prompt me. I thought you were going to prompt me. All right, all right, Paul. You want to go ahead? Be <laughs> prompting. You should know yeah. that by now. So I'm sticking in 1983 still. You're, you're very early. Keep, keeping it old school. Yeah. Yeah. This I'm kind of I'm kind of doing a little cheat on this one though because I even though this was was released on uh, various computers and consoles later in its in its lifespan they were never as good as the arcade version so i'm picking the arcade version i i'm also going to do that as well yeah okay yeah okay and i'm picking star wars from 1983 Uh, okay it was a game that was produced um by atari Mm -hmm. and um it was a first person rail shooter designed by a guy called mike halley i think his name was um and um it used 3D color vector graphics to recreate um, basically the, the the attack on the Death Star from uh, the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. And you, 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 there were two versions of it. There was a um, there was a cabinet version, and there was a, a, a version where you could sit in as well, which which was the best version because that was enclosed, and you really did get the feel that you were inside the X-wing attacking the Death Star. Um, and it was probably one of the first instances of it used. Um, audio from the actual film so you had dialogue from the film you had um sound effects from the film 
Um, the music from the film was recreated in a very basic way, but it still felt like you were listening to the actual John Williams music. Um, That's impressive for 1983. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was very impressive. I mean, it was mm. it, it was your bog standard um, colourful vector graphics, but they looked amazing, and you actually felt it was. I mean, it was 3D, and it actually felt gave you the impression that you were in space. Um, the 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 game itself consisted of it was quite repetitive, but you didn't care because you were getting to shoot Tie Fighters, and then you were get, <laughs> and then you were getting to go into the trench and and blow up the Death Star. And the trench bit was fantastic because you're literally inside the trench, waiting for the the exhaust port to come up come up so that you can shoot your torpedo into it and blow up the Death Star. <laughs> and then once you get through that, you, you did the Jedi Death Star, and then it would just literally go back and increase in difficulty as you went along. Um, so there wasn't much to it, really. But it was a fantastic game. It was a game that, that I spent a lot of time in arcades when I was a kid, when, especially in the summer. And it was, it, was, it was the cabinet that I always went looking for. It was always the game that I went looking for. And if, that, and if I went into an arcade and it didn't have it, I wasn't interested. It, was just, it, it, was, wow. it wasn't up to snuff that arcade. I needed to move on and find another arcade. Could I just imagine you as a as a ten year old or whatever going in going, you sir, your arcade is not up to standard. You do not have Star Wars. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> but arcades were like that though, weren't they? They were they were magical yeah. places when you were young. You know, that's where that's where you went to see the cutting edge technology. You yeah. know, and it, it, it we'd all have those arcade games where you'd go in and that you would be hunting them out. For me, it was Outrun. That was that. That was my go-to. I needed. Right. I needed. I needed. Out. I needed that. That steering wheel with the force feedback, which I'd never felt before in my life. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, I totally get it. The one that I would look for if they didn't have Star Wars, which if they had the second choice, I could I could live with was Space Harrier. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Where you would sit in the chair, especially the the the, the, the version that had an actual chair that moved. That was the best version. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, but but, yeah. but for me, Star Wars. I mean, there's been so many Star Wars games over the years, and there's been a modern Star Wars game that tried to uh, uh, an arcade version that tried to basically copy this, but with obviously modern graphics that are, mm. you know, almost perfect looking. It's not as good. Is that the one that blows wind in your face? That's the one that blows wind <laughs> in your face, and, and you're actually in a pod that closes. Yes, and okay. it moves. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's up and down and left and right. Still not as good as this version from 1983 for my money. Wow, what a wasted effort. <laughs> I know. <laughs> is, this, is this version of um, Star Wars that you played, is, is that the same version that got, um, it got converted to the 32X? Do you remember the add-on for the Mega Drive? Yes, it is. It's that version, is it? Ah, oh. uh, see, I... Uh... It was also a version that they released on the Atari back in the day as well when it first... And it's terrible. <laughs> I, I think it also hit the, I don't know if it's the Amiga or the Commodore 64, but one of them, and it's really slow. Yeah, yeah, they're all slow. Yeah. All, all the versions that got, that got, that got pushed onto to home market were terrible. Mm. They were really terrible. And you would almost try and convince yourself that they were the same as you were playing them. You knew deep down inside they weren't, but you were trying your hardest to convince yourself. Yeah, but you'd, you'd, you had to do that because otherwise you'd just top yourself, wouldn't you? <laughs> Well, don't go that far, Dave. <laughs> Maybe it's just I, w- I was a very dramatic child. What yeah, can I say? This game, it's not like the arcade. Life is not worth living. <laughs> Pass me the knives. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, this was this game was voted one of the greatest video games of all time. Wow, I, wow, I was really? never really that into it. No, I really. I mean, I would have thought that a space uh, sort of like fighter game would would have been right up your street, Colin. Maybe that didn't interest I, you. And maybe because I didn't do much of the arcades when I was a kid. Like the only time we went to an arcade if we was at Blackpool or something. So I didn't have that connection. So I would have played the uh, the home com- computer version and gone, oh, it's really slow. And that would have been that. Yeah. Mm. I, I just I, I think that we I spent a lot of times in, in arcades in Blackpool and Southport um, in the summer, obviously. But we, we would probably go to Southport what, like once or twice a month. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. And I, and I would be allowed to go in the arcades for 10 minutes. And it usually stretched to an hour if I was lucky, you know. Yeah. As soon as the 20p ran out. That's it. Right. You use all your money in the first five minutes and then you sp- <laughs> then you spend the rest of the time just, just like holding the joystick or turning the steering wheel or something like that <laughs> on the uh, on the high score screen, trying to pretend yeah. that you're still playing it. When it does the like showing you the levels that it's playing on its own. That's it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tried and tested formula that kids still do today. Yeah. They do. They do. Does does piss you off though when you want to go onto a machine and there's a kid doing that? I mean, you don't want to kick him in the face, do you? But it's close. Well, well, no. well you do. You just well, know you can. Well, true. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your next choice, Colin? Oh, my next one is a uh, bomb jack. Oh wow, yeah. And it's the arcade version, uh, and it's a single screen platformer made by Tekan, who later called themselves Tecmo. And it's a pretty simple game, which you jump around collecting bombs while avoiding the enemies. And there's a bonus meter, which when it's full, a power coin appears. If you collect that, the enemies change and you kill them only, but for a short time. And the control is really nice. And one thing I really like is if you rapidly press the fire button, you can control your descent. And this is one of the few games, I'm not a big high score person, like, oh, I've got to beat my high score, I've got to beat my high score. This one though, is that's what drives me. Wow. And now there were conversions for most computers and consoles, but I've got to say, most of them suck. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, what was it about this version then, that, or this game, that, that drove you to such? I, I, I have no idea because I'm not a platform person. They don't do much for me. I don't, you know, other than Bounty Bob Strikes Back. I... <laughs> threw that one in old Commodore 64 game I don't really have a thing for him but for some reason this one and I think it's the way also I played it for a number of years without realising that you can control the descent of him really? yeah I didn't know and then one day I was rapidly pressing the fire button and I was like oh it slows him down and you can steer him while he's in the air did not know that it is annoying when you've been playing a game for a long time and you realise there's a there's a, a button or a control or a combination of buttons that you could have used that would have made your life a bit easier if only <laughs> yeah. you for yeah. it. <laughs> and yeah. they did sequels to this game, but they're not as good as the original. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, there is actually a Commodore 64 version, a new one, in development now called Bomb Jack DX, and it's shaping up to be pretty good. Is it? For the, is this for the Commodore 64? Um, well, it's it's for the 64, but it's also for the original Commodore 64. If you've got one, you can still play it on that. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I'll tell you, there, there, is, there is quite a big um, development scene for the Commodore 64 now. 
Yeah, there is. There's, weird, there's, right? there, yeah, there's quite a few new things coming about. Old developers that haven't haven't done coding for years have just suddenly gone back to their roots and started coding new stuff. It's great. Yeah, yeah. People just looking back because mm. you know it was better. <laughs> it just yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's also fun that they're, they're doing stuff now that you didn't think the Commodore 64 could do back then. Like yeah. they're really they're pushing, pushing, pushing the tech. Mm. They're yeah. Pushing the yeah. That's yeah. Mm. All right, Dave's turn. Okay, right. I am going to go slightly more modern now. Um, I am going to 1996. Um, I'm going to go a point-and-click adventure. It's by uh, Revolution Software. Uh-oh. You, you know, you're, you're, you're ahead of me, aren't you? Well, it um, depends. I, I, we, we could be doubling. Oh, really? It, it depends which... We both have a Revolution Software game. It depends which one we've gone for. Okay. Well, this and my next yeah. one is is that one. <laughs> you pick the same one. You can discuss it together. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Right. Um, it's it is yeah. It's a point and click adventure set in Paris. No, 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 you're shaking your head. Right, there we go. I think we're clear. Um, yeah, set in pra- Paris with a uh, your main character, who is called George Stobart. Um, it is called Broken Sword, uh, the Shadow Excellent. of the Templars. Uh, absolutely brilliant game. Gorgeous art style on it. Absolutely lovely. And the, the, the musical score, I think the musical score is by a guy called Barrington, and I'm going to butcher his second name, Feelong, Feelong. I have no yeah. idea. Is that is that no, right? It is. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna Google something because I'm pretty sure I'm I'm right, but I may not be. Um, people check these things. Never stopped us before, Colin. That's what you worried <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, no. Just, just. Uh, <laughs> yes. So he is the person who wrote the theme to Inspector Mars. Is he really? Yes, he is. Oh, I love that yeah. fact. That's brilliant. um but yeah broken sword uh yeah a point and click adventure it is um it is about how can i explain it within the first two minutes the intro is basically he is sat in paris outside a outside a quaint cafe um the waitress comes out uh hands him his coffee they they share a kind of flirty smile with each other (laughs) <laughs> i remember this bit <laughs> um, and then as she goes to walk into the cafe she accidentally bumps into a, an elderly gentleman who who, who uh, doffs his cap and uh shares another flirty smile so we've got a weird love triangle going on here straight away um and he disappears off into the cafe meanwhile a guy dressed as uh, a, a clown carrying balloons and playing an accordion go with it right he <laughs> he comes along the one of the blooms gets in george stobart's face and in to be honest in a bit of a dick move i think george stobart pops it which sort of, dick dick what are you doing <laughs> anyway the clown sort of brushes it off and goes off into the cafe where he then grabs the old man's uh briefcase and replaces it with the accordion that he was playing, 
the accordion and he goes running off up the road and then the accordion um starts making an ominous beeping sound ominous beeping sound where uh where it turns out it's a bomb explosions body flies through the air debris lands on george stobart and what can i i can only describe as a massive act of karma right so for popping the balloon that's it exactly <laughs> what goes around comes around yeah okay and then from that point on your character dusts himself off and then he the whole game is you hunting for who was the clown and then it and as it goes on, it it just um, it, it all spirals and it goes on to a sort of international adventure, taking on countries like Syria, Spain, even Scotland. And <laughs> you know, Syria, Spain, Scotland. Right? And yeah, absolutely, absolutely lovely game. And um, I've, I've always I've always loved this game because it was it, it's one of the few games that my wife has actually played from start to finish with me. She's not a gamer whatsoever. Right. She she sat there and went through the whole thing. We worked out all the puzzles together. I mean, as as point and click adventures go, it's all fairly standard mechanics. You know, you 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 steer a pointer over the screen, steer it over the environment. There might be some things to see if you click on it. it it tells you about it. You can pick stuff up, combine items with other items to solve puzzles, all that sort of standard point and click stuff. But man, I loved it. And it was all voice acted as well. So if, if reading text wasn't really your thing, mm -hmm. you, you didn't have to with this game. You could have the text on the screen if you wanted. But yeah, yeah, absolutely stunning game. But um, I played it on the, on the PS1. Um, I know it was out on PC, and I think it was released by Virgin Interactive on the yes. PC. Yeah, but they could, but but they weren't interested in publishing it for the PlayStation. They didn't think it would sell. So um, the uh, the main development guy, I've got to remember his name, Charles Cecil, the creator, um, he went to Sony Direct and got them interested. So they ended up publishing it. Which I'm really glad they did because otherwise I'd have missed this. It's an absolute gem of a game. It's brilliant. I think it's actually on the PS Now at the moment, actually. So I might have to. Is it really? I think it is. Yeah. Oh, fant fantastic! Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. It's it's lovely. I mean, just just for the art style alone and the the, the, the animation on it is yeah, it's fantastic. I miss point and click games, don't you? I really miss them. You know, all the all the um the the Telltale stuff. It, it's 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 not the same. It isn't I, the same. I haven't played many of the Telltale games, but the ones I've played, they feel more like. Um, do you remember that? Ah, oh, is it Dragon's Lure? Yeah. Where like yeah. stuff happens and you push left on the stick, and if you're right, the animation continues. They feel more like those than point to click. Yeah, doesn't feel like you're doing anything, does it? Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not the same. Um, but yeah, love it. So yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been talking uh, with my wife about it. I think we're going to go through it all again. Because, you know, it's 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 been a while. You know, I've, I've played sort of the first hour or so a few times, but I've never sat back down and gone through it again. I'm really looking forward to doing that. So yeah, we're going to revisit it ourselves. Nice. And this is a perfect time to do that. It is the perfect time to do it. <laughs> Which is what this podcast is all about. So, Absolutely, yeah. 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 So that's my choice. A brilliant point and click game that I, I remember playing was the one that I think it was just called Discworld. Yes. Yeah, there were two, there were two Discworld games. Yeah. Point and click. The first, 
particular. Yeah, that's the Terry Pratchett stuff, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the other point and click, similar to Discworld, is the Simon the Sorcerer games, which are also excellent. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah the, I don't know those ones. Oh, yeah, they're, they're really good. Chris Barrett is the voice of Simon. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, and they're both really uh, high quality, beautiful animation, artwork, great uh, vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really good too. Oh, brilliant. Go on, Paul. <laughs> all right paul well i don't want to, I don't want to jump in because anyone has any more to say you know so, uh so i'm uh going to jump forward in time as well into the 90s okay and uh, i'm going to go with a, a a game called and i can i'm gonna i'm gonna stir at collie's face when i say this just to see his reaction all right hold on yes i'm gonna go with a game called ufo enemy unknown from 1994 or better known now as simply XCOM. Yeah. Right. Okay. Might might so, actually appear on my list. Does it really? <laughs> might do. <laughs> Shall we talk about it at the same time then? If it does. <laughs> no, no, carry on, and I'll just it, it'll be a quick okay. ending for me. Okay. It's so, not unusual. Oh, <laughs> good. This is a more hybrid podcast for us. We're, it is. It's, it's a much cleaner together. podcast when Dave's around. I have noticed. <laughs> yes, uh, I know. So you've got to get a filth in somewhere, haven't you, where you can. You know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, UFO Enemy Unknown, or XCOM, was released uh, originally on MS-DOS and Amiga CD32, which is the version I remember. Now, I have to say that I don't. I, I never actually owned a copy of this game because I didn't actually have an Amiga CD32. I just used to... Uh, come around Colin's house every weekend and play on it. Yeah. <laughs> it also came out on the Amiga 500 as well. Right, okay. Um, so it was a sci-fi game where you uh, you control an elite international organisation of marines and scientists who are tasks, tasked with uh, countering an alien invasion of Earth. Um, it was actually the first in a long series of games, um, and there was actually even uh, a couple of novels based on this as well. Um, I've never read them. I don't know if they're any good, but didn't know they existed. Yeah, um, it was created by Mythos Games and Microprose. Um, and um, what it was, it was a top-down turn-based strategy game where you controlled a squadron of Marines as they took on invaders at various locations, such as towns, crash sites, farms, and it was bloody hard. It was. It was um... really hard. I don't want to be picky because I know probably our listeners will, but it's actually isometric, not top down. Well, I, I, <laughs> I just because you know. <laughs> top down to me, Colin. <laughs> I'm not the expert. I just play the games. The, um, the, the previous one to this that he created, Julian Gollop, is Laser Squad, and that was top down. All right, okay. Did you have that one as well? I think I had on the Commodore 64. So I've probably played that as well then. I'm not sure if you did. Not sure. I don't remember. Um, so what you really had to do with this game was you really had to strategize what you were going to do with your, with all your Marines. Um, and it was basically a case of going on missions, which invariably ended up going completely wrong. And then you'd replay the missions and spend hours just thinking about where you went wrong, what you could do again better. And I think then at one point you, you 
you admitted to me, Colin, that you were starting to dream about the game and, and come up with uh, yeah, scenarios. Figure, yeah, figuring out moves in my head, in my dreams. <laughs> Wake up, try them out, find out they were rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really atmospheric game it really you really got into because uh, that you your squadron of of marines were all very um different weren't they they all had uh, personalities names names you're like oh barry's dead i've had barry for six months now i brought him up from have, a lieutenant you could, yeah you could you 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 could have a same the same one of the same marines for various numbers of missions and he's working his way up and and in the end he becomes mission commander and then you, and then a mission would go wrong and he was dead and he was gone that was it yeah he was just done you had to just bring someone else through yeah. and you really you really got quite sad when you lost the character that you had for a long time i, I like, go overboard paul it's a bit, <laughs> like, a bit weird it's a little bit like um cannon fodder when you start off with jewels and jobs <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Exactly. It hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah, there was also, sorry, go on. Yeah, it did. But there's also a, a strategy aimed to it in that you build bases, assigned funds for research and defense. So you had to build like your barracks and things like that as well. Yeah, you had to build, didn't you? Yeah. 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 So there's lots to it. It wasn't just a, it wasn't just a isometric strategy game. Colin, say so take it in. I'm yeah, it yeah. In. good, good, good. It, it, it was also almost like a, um, a world not, game, not just entertainment, also yes. learning. <laughs> Wasn't there? There was an element of sort of almost like a civilization type game to it as well, where you yeah. were controlling the people in the space and 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 yeah, allocating funds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, I love this game. I thought it was fantastic, and I've played pretty much every other game. I've owned pretty much every other XCOM game besides this one. This was the only one I didn't own, but I didn't need to because I just used to come around and uh, and uh, lig off yours, basically. That is true. That is mm-hmm. true. Um, the PlayStation one has really good music. Mm-hmm. Alistair Brimble, CD soundtrack. Um, the thing about the Amiga one is the AI took so long to figure out a move. Mm-hmm. Like, because you would move and then you would click, like, your turns were done and then the AI, the enemy, would plot its moves. You could go make a cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, what was it? Do you think it was genuinely taking that long to decide what it was going to do? I, I guess so, because the PlayStation <laughs> is faster. <laughs> That's really so it, bizarre. It, it really had to uh, think about it. You say that though, but I've played the most recent one on the PS4, and that takes a bit of time as well. Really? Yeah. And you know, there's a new one called Phoenix Point. Is that a very new one? Is it? It yeah, it's uh, came out and it is a pretty much. It's made by the same people who did XCOM. Oh right, I'll have to check that. I didn't know that. I'll have to find that one out then. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you want to say any more about XCOM then? Seeing as it was one of your choices as well. Uh... Nope. Only that, it, only that it took up months of my life that I'll never get back. <laughs> I mean, that those were the days of going to bed at 4 a.m. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Excellent. 
So do you want to shall we do you want to move to straight to Dave then now, or do you want to do another one? Otherwise, what, you'll end up with one less, won't no, you? No, no, because that was I've got another one. I've got plenty. You've got another one. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to 1994. I'm also going point and click. I'm also going Revolution Software. But I am choosing Beneath a Steel Sky. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this was set in a dystopian future. You played a character called Robert Foster who had been living with Aborigines in the outback and then had gone back to civilization. And for some reason, he had now uncovered corruption that lies within the heart of the city. It was written by Dave Cummins and the design was by comic book artist Dave Gibbons. It originally came on 15 floppy disks. 15? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow luckily I played it on the CD32 so it was just a CD-ROM yeah. yeah so this gave also for a difference from the, some of the other stuff we've seen where there was not much improvement from the CD to the floppy this actually gave you uh, a nice CD soundtrack and speech whereas the floppy didn't have any of that mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but similar to what you talked about earlier that it's just a great adventure game. There's a fine line of puzzles, humor, and a deep science fiction storyline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few games I've actually completed. That is a big thing for you. It is, yeah. Oh, uh, you're you, you're one of those that doesn't complete games either. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take, take, take. The word you're looking for is quitter. That's the word that you want to say. No, no, quitter. The, no. I've got, got a life. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'll be putting myself in that bracket if I say quitter, so I can't. I can't say quitter, can I? Yes. To be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm not much different. To be honest, especially no, with modern no. games, you can never finish modern games. No, if any, if modern games, if anything goes over ten hours, I'm, I'm not completing it. No chance. Hmm. No. Yeah. No, I get bored. What was it about this one that made you push on and complete it then? Unlike some of the Lucasfilm games, which are, are really good, don't get me wrong, you sat by Krakens, you Maniac Mansion, whatever. Mm. The puzzles in this are a bit more logical. Mm. Some of those can be a little wacky. Uh, it's also got a really deep science fiction storyline and a very surprising ending, which I won't go into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Looks beautiful. And the voice acting is pretty good as well. Mm -hmm. um, they've just remastered it for the iOS so you can get it on the iPhone and the iPad and it oh, plays okay. pretty well on those devices. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Um, like I said, I completed it, which is a rare thing. It's a special moment. <laughs> <laughs> did you toast yourself when you did it? Toast myself? I'm not a marshmallow. <laughs> you know what I said? <laughs> I said melon. <laughs> See what I did? Oh, brilliant callback. Catch up. I told you it would yeah. catch up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick a point-and-click adventure that's good because there's so many. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, yeah, it's true, actually. There are. And we've not even touched on this Sierra online stuff like the police quest and things like that. Mm. Police quest. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember you playing police quest. Yeah. Yeah. If only I could ever get in my car. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I don't think I've still managed it. <laughs> yeah, so Beneath a Still Sky, that's my choice. Really, Excellent. Really. Good choice, good choice. Thank you.
And Dave, you're up. Uh, right. See, I've got a few here, and it it changes depending on well, it changes minute to minute. But I think I'm going to go this one from 1993, and it's on the Sega Mega Drive or Gen- or Genesis if you're stateside. Um, yeah, it is a uh, side-scrolling shooter map. It's a horizontal shooter map or shmup as they call it now and i bloody hate that term <laughs> uh that's that's not new that was in zap 64 magazine was it really shmup was it shmup yeah yeah oh it's been sick in my mouth a little bit there um <laughs> yeah it's by technosoft it is thunder force 4 ever I have do, do you no. not neither of you know no. thunder force do you not know the thunder force games at all Absolutely not. I'm going to have to look them up. Oh, you are, you are missing out. They are brilliant. I mean, they're hard as nails. I'd, I'd never, I've never have completed it without, without getting the 99 lives cheat. But, <laughs> you know, honestly, unbelievable. So it's, as I said, it's a horizontal uh, shoot 'em up. Um, but rather than the, 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 the standard. Uh, ship scrolling from left to right as as the enemies come in waves, you know, like your standard shoot 'em up. This one actually had some vertical movement as well, so the playing area was much larger. Mm. Um, I always remember the the, the first level. Um, it had some of the most amazing sort of parallax scrolling I've I've ever seen on a certainly on a sixteen bit machine. You'd have the uh, you'd have the rocks in the background. You'd have you have various levels of cloud. Um, the water, the you, you're you're flying just above the water, and the movement of it was absolutely stunning, and it was accompanied by some some of the best sort of rock soundtrack I've heard in a certainly on a Mega Drive game. I mean, it's an FM sound chip. It's not, you know, it how the hell they got some of that noise out of it? I I don't know, but yeah, look it up. It's 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 phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It's it's just beautiful to look at. Enemies coming at you from all directions. Absolutely insane end of level bosses. Yeah, I had to put it in. I mean, it's it's a shoot 'em up. You know what they do, but I had right. to put it in because it's it. I I still go back to it because it's absolutely gorgeous and just just turn the stereo up and just crank that sound out. It's beautiful. It's absolutely immense. I'm going to try it later today. Definitely. Yeah. I noticed there's six of them. Yeah. I think after four, I think it started going to Sega Saturn. I think. I don't think there yeah, was enough. No, it did. Yeah. PlayStation yeah. and then PlayStation 2 after that. Yeah. That's that's it. Thunder Force 4 was the last one on the 16-bit machines. Funnily okay. enough, Thunder Force 1 didn't appear on the, on the Mega Drive. I think it appeared on the... Oh, I might get this wrong now. There's what's the sharp machine? What was that called? The X one? No. There's the sharp X one. Uh the sharp MZ fifteen hundred or think, NZ. Uh this is gonna annoy me now. It's named after the uh, I Dave, think it... Dave Dave, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm actually reading it. <laughs> are, are you really? <laughs> yeah. Is I'm that not, what it, this, is that, oh, okay. this isn't off the top of my head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought it was off off something. Oh, okay. Right. No, I don't think right. it is. Right. Uh, okay. I got Sharp X One NEC PC eight eight zero one Mark Two. Okay. 
FM7, Sharp MZ1500, NZ, NEC PC601 and Mark II, NEC PC9801, X68000, Arcade, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, six, Sega 8000, That's what I was thinking of. 68000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Check it out. It's great. Um, I'm definitely going to. Three is also very strong. Not as good as four, but three is very strong. Two was a little bit, that, that one was a bit weird. It had some, um, it had some side scrolling and then it had uh, sections that were vertical scrolling. So it, it, it was a bit of an odd one. You can see how they'd certainly progress the series, but yeah, yeah, look it up. Fantastic. I love the stressfulness of uh, side-scrolling shoot-em-ups. I love it when there's just everything going on all at once. Oh, and it's ridiculous, yeah. I just spend my entire time panicking as I'm playing the thing. But <laughs> they are great fun. They are. They really are. And, you know, it was the Mega Drive. It was it was the home of the shoot-em-up. You know, there were... There were so many of them, but yeah, this this one in particular is a standout one, and yeah, it's one that I I revisit on a regular basis. I'm still shit at it, but I re I revisit it <laughs> on a regular basis. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of cool that it's something new that I can try. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Paul. See, now you well, jumped in though. You didn't wait. I know I can't win either way, can I? No. Sort your shit out. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is why it takes me forever to edit these things. <laughs> so I'm going all the way up to the heady heights of the year 2000. Now. Are we allowed? Ooh, wow, it's it's still PS1. Bit modern. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a sequel to a, to another game. Uh, and I've gone for Siphon Filter Two, not one, but two. All right. Okay. Hey, there what? is a reason for this. Oh, okay, that was going to be my question. <laughs> so so this was a third-person shooter developed by, um, and I'm not sure how you pronounce this, is it Eidetic? We'll, E-I-D-E-T-I-C. We'll go with that. Yeah. And it was published in uh, by 989 Studios for PlayStation in, okay. in 2000. And it was, it was the sequel to a, a very successful game called Siphon Filler uh, that came out actually the previous year. And the sequel to it was was literally rushed into development because of the of the, uh, of the splash that the first one made. It was a, it was a huge game on the PS One. Jesus, so they developed it in a yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's pretty yeah, quick. They rushed it. Yeah, they yeah. rushed. Um, so in the game, you play as an agent called G- Gabriel Logan. And the reason why I chose this one as opposed to the first Siphon Filler was twofold reasons. Really, um, the first one is that the game itself. Um, it was a lot sharper and smoother, even though it was basically using essentially the same sort of engine. But they just they just tarted it up a bit and tidied it up a bit. Um, wasn't quite as um, wasn't quite as blocky as the first one. It was a bit smoother around the edges, and and the gameplay and the graphics were a lot smoother and more fluid. Is the word I'm looking for? I think it was the the, the action was more fluid. Mm. Um, but the main reason was I thought the the plot of Siphon Filter 2 is a vast improvement on the plot of Siphon Filter 1. It literally picks up um, from the end of Siphon Filter 1 
but this time now you're 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 um you're blacklisted by the agency that you work for so you're being hunted by the agency that you used to previously work for and then there's all twists and turns you you know one minute you they think you're a terrorist then you actually uncover what's going on and it was it was just a better story um i still own a copy of it and i still dig it out occasionally because it will play on ps3 so hmm. yeah i just thought it was a great game what are the controls like pretty good actually pretty okay. good so I played yeah, no. Siphon Filter 1 the other day and the controls are, are weird because I, I don't think it was set up for the Dual Shock. I think it's for the original <laughs> PlayStation controller. Mm. So you had to use R1 and R2 to move left and right. Oh, wow. Which is just weird. I think Siphon Filter 2 was, is the same. But you, you just have to put yourself back into that headspace of playing games without DualShock controllers. Right. You know, back in the day when you actually had to to look for the button that 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 switched your, you know, from holding your gun to holding your flashlight or or getting out your grappling hook. <laughs> well, we've talked about this. Where I I was in a room in Cipher Filter One and it was dark. And I couldn't figure out what to do. Then I realized maybe I need a flashlight. I couldn't find my flashlight. And then I discovered it under weapons. Yes, you have to equip it. Yeah. yeah. But then you equip your flashlight. You can't shoot anybody when you're carrying your flashlight because then you have to remove your flashlight and equip a weapon. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. But then again, it's, you know, it, it's quaint. I, it's quaint, yes. <laughs> there was one level in particular that I remember where you had to climb, I think it's a church or a cathedral, and you literally have to work you work your way around the edge of this cathedral, and it's it's gripping, really gripping. Mm. Does he does he run better in Siphon Filter 2? He does, yeah. Because oh. in, in the first one, he runs like he's got hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot smoother game, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, which is... It's all the more impressive that they managed to do that in a year. Yes. Yeah, they rushed it out. They rushed it yeah. out. Wow. So my next choice is back in 1984. Oh. Okay, great. And it is Drop Zone for the Commodore 64. <laughs> ah. I've never played oh. that. It's a kind of a version of Defender. Right. So you have to shoot the aliens while collecting your men from the lunar landscape and dropping them at your base. Meanwhile, alien ships will drop creatures onto the landscape that will kill your men. It's a very fast game with fluid scrolling. It is also insanely difficult. To be honest, as you were describing it, it sounds insanely difficult. Oh, it is. Many a competition pro joystick has been thrown. <laughs> <laughs> But it's also very addictive. Mm. You throw your stick, which is not a euphemism. <laughs> you pick it up and you're like, well, maybe I can get to the next level. You can't. <laughs> and your stick gets thrown again. There's no music, which is a shame for a Commodore 64 game, but I assume mm. that so much was spent on the graphics because they do look pretty good. Mm. Lots of nice explosions. It was developed by Arch McLean, who also is known for international karate. Uh, yes. As my, no as my notes say, internal karate. <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> which is so 
and, yeah, it's something I go through after an Indian food. <laughs> uh, he also made Jimmy White's whirlwind snooker. He did. Oh, that was a great. That game. was a classic. Yeah. 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 Now, Drop Zone was published by US Gold, but on the first edition of the cassette, they changed the logo to UK Gold, and it's the only time I've ever seen this done. And for a while, I thought I was crazy because I tried to search for this and couldn't find it. And then eventually I found an image of the cassette cover. UK Gold? Yeah, it's the only time they did it as far as I'm aware. Just for that one game? Yes. Yeah, because I don't know why. It was a, I guess because it was a, a British designer and it was a British mm-hmm. game. And maybe Archie McLean was well known enough to have some pull. Maybe he did, you know, forced him into it. Uh, okay so this is another one where 10 minutes i'll put it on and i'll have fun it's a really good game it's and then it scrolls beautifully just by the way lovely <laughs> <laughs> on a side note has anybody seen a defender arcade machine recently no no okay so i tried one a while back and i'm beginning to think we had more arms in the 80s <laughs> Because for your left hand, there is a two-way joystick, so it only works up and down, and a reverse button for your thumb. So you've got the joystick and your thumb on the reverse button, which changes your direction. Okay. On your right hand, you have hyperspace button, smart bomb button, frost button, and fire button. (laughs) That's way too many buttons for me. (laughs) That is clearly, yeah. I went... I looked at the machine and I was like, oh, I'll try this. This is great. And I put my, well, it was a, a credit. I put it in. I was like, how, I, I don't, am I supposed to unzip my pants? <laughs> to, to, what, what, what am I supposed to? <laughs> it is really insanely difficult. Wow. Wow. Luckily, drop zone, because you have the joystick, all the frost is controlled by the joystick. You have the fire button, does your fire, and the space bar does your hyperspace. So it's pretty narrowed down for that on the Commodore. Mm-hmm. As you were describing it, I'm sure I've played it, because I, I, I just I have memories of being incredibly frustrated with it. It was annoying. Severe. I don't think I persevered. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have your uh, moxie, you know. <laughs> Oh. But but drops on is a very good game. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right, Dave. Excellent. Okay. Right. I am going to go the year nineteen ninety eight. So we're we're on PS one, and I'm going for Metal Gear Solid. Ooh. I knew this was going to be in your list, Dave. I didn't, I didn't know who it was. Oh, yeah. I I didn't see this coming at all. <laughs> oh. It's it's I've I've only got one PlayStation game still in my possession and it is Metal Gear Solid. It's it's great. It's one of the first games. Well, it's the first game that I've ever played where I I honestly felt like I was taking part in a film. I don't I don't know we look at it now and PlayStation graphics are blocky and and flickery and just hard to see what's going on. But honestly, I mean, for anything from the, the, the soundtrack to it, to the voice acting, to uh, you know, the, the fact that the credits 
uh, are actually playing while you're steering you, the snake, the main character. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's brilliant. But you know, it's about it's about um, a guy called Snake who has got to infiltrate uh, a base on Shadow Moses Island in Alaska. Um, he's been given the task of uh, searching for um, two hostages that are being held there, basically, and so to free them and then to hunt for um, or investigate whether they've got nuclear weapons inside this base and stop them if if they have um but it's 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 the first stealth game i'd ever played you know and honestly i mean i I would spend hours just peeking around corners watching where the guards are patrolling you Mm. know scared to actually move you know (laughs) and you know sneaking up behind the guards and taking them out one by one you know and, and trying to do it outside of the other guards I think it was the first time you ever got to do that in a game. Yeah, I'd never played anything like that in my life. You know, and then the cinematics, which would go on for about half an hour, but I didn't care. It was great. It was like I was taking part in a film, you know, Mm -hmm. and and to to infiltrate this base, this feeling of getting deeper and deeper inside this base, having various boss battles with, with different characters as you're going along. But yeah, that that feeling I'd never felt that before in a game, and it was one of those uh, again, like it was one of the few games I'd completed, and you know, I found when I did, you you know when you get something that's so good when when you've watched a film or you've played a really good game, and you're thinking about it constantly after you've played it, you know, that one of those games, and yeah, I love it. I think because of that as well, you don't mind revisiting it. Like you, you had lots of replayable factor to it as Ab- well. Absolutely, it was a very atmospheric game, and it really did draw you in right from the get-go. That game, I never completed it. <laughs> I never. No, completed- I've not either. I no? played it on the PlayStation. I think that's one of those games I'm going to add to a list of ones that I should revisit. Like mm. I have a list now of Zach McCracken games that I should try and see if I can actually finish. Yeah. I mean, what else am I going to do? Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 they did, they remade it, didn't they? They did um, a version of it on the GameCube um, with, with with updated graphics and things. I've always wanted to play that, but I never owned a GameCube, so I never got an opportunity to. Twin Snakes, I think they called it. Mm. Um, but I'd, I'd love to play that version, actually, as well, just to see it in a little bit more clarity, you know? No, there's been lots of sequels, and I've never found any of them as as uh, have topped it. Even with with you know the PS4, the graphics are amazing in it, but it's still yeah. not the original game. You know, no, in terms I, I, of I, storytelling I, and, and and atmosphere, it's not the same. The thing is, I think back back on the uh, original Metal Gear Solid, um, it was actually quite a short game. Mm. It, it doesn't take that long to complete it. Um, oh, sounds good. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I completed it, so it's got to say something, isn't it? But I think with with the newer ones, as as games have become open world, I mean, this is you know, the, the Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation was quite linear, really. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, because it's all become open world, um, Hideo Kojima. Do you say Hideo or Hideo? I don't know. How do you say Hideo? 
Hideo, Hideo Kojima. Hideo. I, I, I don't think he knows how to pace an open world game because they go on for about a hundred hours. <laughs> you know, and it's uh, no, come on. I've, I've got, I've got children to deal with. I, I can't be doing that. You know, I, d- I don't want to, I don't want to walk somewhere for half an hour <laughs> and then have to turn the machine off. You know. That, that's always been my issue with games like Red Dead Redemption and, and yeah. GTA. It, yeah. You know, by the time I've got to do something, I've got to turn it off. That's what I've got to do, you know. And... But the Red Dead Redemption, the new one, it's like your hat's fallen off. You have to go pick your hat up. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spend I don't want to spend um forty minutes building a fence around my homestead, you know. No. <laughs> This is the trouble, though. But when, whenever you get games like that, and you say, oh, "I don't know," I mean, I, I, you know, I played it for about ten hours and didn't get into it. Well, it doesn't get good till hour thirty. <laughs> Fuck off, then. <laughs> not, not interested. Isn't that the argument you use, Colin, for when I say to you, oh, "You should get, you should get into Agents of Shield" TV yeah, show because it gets good in season three. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, so I've got to sit through two seasons. That's 40-odd episodes. That's 40 hours of my life until it gets good, in quotes. Yeah, 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 definitely. Not happening. (laughs) Right. So my last choice. Wait, over to you, Paul. (laughs) So my... My my last choice is uh, from 1997. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna describe what it is, and oh. let's see out of the two of you which one guesses what it is first. Okay. Is this a game show now? It will be. It's pay attention. Right. It's, it's got jingles right. lined up and everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way he walks. <laughs> so very good. Yes. Oh, yeah. So this was a 3D fighting game developed by Lightweight. And published by Square and Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation. Shadow Blade. That's the one. Oh, yes. well Shido done. Shadow Blade from 1997. Um, what can you say about Shadow Blade? Um, the- Hopefully something, otherwise this podcast will be quiet. <laughs> well, I've got a few things. Okay. Uh, the game involves uh, it's it's one on one, one on one, one on one, one on one, one on one arm combat. Um, <laughs> it's using the Japanese warrior code of. Code of Honor called Bushido. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, still using the title. Um, and what it what made it stand out from all the other kind of fighting games at the time was that it featured a realistic, quote unquote, realistic fighting engine, which at the time was was never been done before in, in, in any kind of beat 'em up game. I don't really mm. even class this as a beat 'em up game because it wasn't. You couldn't button bash on this game. No. Um, it had no health gauge at all. Health what? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I, I, like, I like a good health gorge. <laughs> Dive straight in. Um, yeah, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. All right. No, it had no health gauge. Oh. And uh, so what it basically meant was that one good hit could kill you. It was instant death. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really had to think about the, your, the timing of your attack, whether you were going to um, parry or, or stand your ground. And and it basically involved watching your opponent for hours at a time, waiting for the, particularly in the versus mode, waiting for the other person to make a move. 
Um, you could also had a unique body, body damage system where you could take out uh, an arm or a leg, which usually ended up with someone rolling around on the floor, still trying to fight you off. Uh, it's just um, it's just a flesh wound. Yeah, it was it's a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, it is very Monty Python. Um, so you had three modes in the game. You had a story mode where you chose a character and you played through a series of combats, um, telling the story of each character, which was different for every character. Um, you had a challenge mode where you could face off against waves of fighters who got increasingly more um, difficult as you went along. And then the best mode was the versus mode, where it was a two-player mode. And um, me and Colin used to play this game for hours at a time, didn't we? And and our matches wouldn't consist of us just not moving. Not moving. Not moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like watching a samurai film. It was just two people going... I'm not moving. You're not going to make the first move. <laughs> You'd step forwards and then step back quickly. <laughs> and then one of us would, 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 would lose the patience and run at the other person, and then the other person would kill us instantly, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was such a good game. It was so fun. Um, when it came out, it was it was fairly well-received at the time, although, well, well-received by um, lots of, of, of the critics at the time. But that one-hit system did. It was a kind of a marmite thing for for gamers. You either loved it or you hated it. You know, mm. I think if you were into Tekken, you probably wouldn't have got on with this game. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it did have a sequel a few years later, um, and the sequel actually did have much better graphics because the the, the original is very very lucky. Yeah. But the, the gameplay uh, in the first one, it's just great. It doesn't matter that the the, the the graphics are blocky at all. You don't care that the that um they're actually some of the faces are quite scary, aren't they? <laughs> yes, were. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a game. I, I still have Bushido Blade tournaments with my son. And and funnily enough, when you came and stayed with us last year, Colin, we 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 had a um a three way. Is that the way? To... <laughs> I, let's, wow. Let's not use that term. But... <laughs> It's, it's just a great game. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not, not a lot of gamers remember it, though, do they? No, because it was never that really that popular. And I think I had the Japanese version at the time. Yes, yeah. And that's the version I've got as well, oddly. Okay. Yeah. There's no okay. English at all. Yeah. The body damage was interesting because if you were a right-handed sword person and that person got you in the right hand, you couldn't actually do much except run away afterwards because your arm was limp at your side, <laughs> was carrying the sword. So you had to protect your sword arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Think about what you did. Yes, totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any beat-em-ups since then that have, that have done that kind of thing? I, I can't think of anything now. That, that that's like that it's quite it's, i mean it was revolutionary at the time but i i can't think of any beat-em-ups doing that kind of thing now is there what's this thing i can think of as a game that came out on the ps4 called for honor right in terms of the fact that you couldn't just go in you know bashing the buttons you you had to think about um what you were doing where your sword arm was and where your shield was mm. and you had to block but even that didn't didn't have the same kind of realistic feel to it that Bushido Blade had. But you actually yeah. did feel like you were you were in that moment with with another person coming at you with a sword. Mm. You, you know, you basically had to decide whether you were going to just defend or or, or or attack. Really, yeah. 
that might have to be one of those games I I try. I've never played it, and I think I'm going to have to put that on, put that on the list of games to try. All right, I, f- I feel mm. a Bushido Blade tournament coming up. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. So, what's your what's your last pick, Colin? Well, I've done some tap dancing because I'm not choosing UFO. All right. I'm going to 1990, and I'm going to go ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to do Speedball 2, Brutal Deluxe on the Amiga. Do you, do you know what? That that was almost in my list. Oh, really? It was, it was, it was either between that and, and XCOM. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> but here it is. So it's a violent, futuristic cyberpunk sport that draws on elements of handball and ice hockey and rewards violent play as well as goals. Mm. Oh, uh, yes. best in two player i have yeah. to be honest yeah because you know you can swear at your opponent at that point and you did yeah i'm not a sporty person i know comes as a shock <laughs> don't all look don't look all aghast and amazed but this is a really good sports game mm. mm-hmm. great graphics fantastic sound not just the background Music and on the CD32, you also had extra touches as well. And the graphics were better in AGA on the Amiga 1200 and CD32 than the 500. But it's just a really good sports game. Mm. Was it the CD32 version? Did that? What did they do with the sound on that? Did they did they change the music or did they keep it authentic? Uh, they kept it authentic. I'm going to have to try and remember. I think what they did was for background music was streamed from the CD. But it was the it was the Amiga music. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So because right. that that would be sacrilege if they got rid of that. That's a that's a classic track. Yeah, I can hear it in my head. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. So can I. Yeah. Don't ask me to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> it was made by the Bitmap Brothers, who of course are famous for a lot of titles. I think this is mm. probably one of the most popular. And it was either going to be this or Chaos Engine. Yeah, I, I think you've picked wisely, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. I did enjoy Chaos Engine, though. Have you played it recently? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's good, but it's stupendously hard. Mm. I, I remember it being hard at the time. That was the one that was very cyberpunky. It was not cyberpunky, steampunky, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's my final title. Mm. Owed a lot to Rollerball as well, that game, didn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. it did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, we've all been quite quite diverse in our pickings there, I think. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that all the games done? That is all the games done. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dave, for joining us. That has been an absolute pleasure. I was going to say, did you have fun? I... I definitely had fun. I don't. I don't get to talk uh, geeky retro stuff very much at home, so it's it's actually quite nice to come on here and uh, and 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 share that with you guys. It's really good. Yeah, Fantastic. maybe we could do this again sometime. I'd I'd like to. I mean, whether your audience would like me to, I don't know, but I'd like to. Who gives a fuck about that? <laughs> <laughs> All they do is complain anyway. That's true. <laughs> Oh, you wait for the barrage of inaccuracies we've apparently spouted through this podcast. Oh, I, I, I got a feeling the speedball music one might be an inaccuracy. I can't remember exactly. <laughs>
Yeah, I'm sure we will. <sighs> but but don't worry. Next time we're back to our normal service with an old TV or film review. And if you'd like to suggest one, then you can email your suggestion to retrospection at email.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at Retrospecky, and on Instagram at Retrospection Podcast, all one word. And please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen. You can also hear the themes and songs from the films and shows we review at our Spotify playlist. And finally, if you'd like to support our old episodes and help new ones, Coming along, then you can lower our server costs by supporting us via patreon.com slash retrospection. Thank you to our current Patreon supporters. Thank you for Dave for joining us. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.